0: all right tomorrow's leader so by far one of the scariest things you can ever do in your life is speak in front of a big group it is the single biggest fear that people have and it is also the most exhilarating thing i will tell you there is no feeling like getting off the stage after a great presentation where you know you've impacted the audience but it takes a lot to get to that point so i had a great conversation with grant baldwin who's the owner of a company called the Speaker Lab. He coaches speakers. He himself has spoken all over the place and for many, many years. So we had a really cool conversation just about the whole, everything that goes into speaking, you know, all the whole mindset and anxiety and and emotions and how you influence yourself to ultimately perform at a high level. It was just a really cool speaker-to-speaker type of conversation. And I hope you look at these interviews kind of the same way that I intend them to be, which is just a really cool casual conversation between two people and you're eavesdropping into it. So I think you'll kind of get a sense of this, minus all the background noise, my apologies, construction going on at my place. So I hope it's not too loud, but I think you will enjoy this episode. Here is Grant Baldwin. All right, welcome to today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader, where we dive deep on all things leader-related, related to leading yourself and leading others. I'm John Larito, your host. I got a great guest for you today, Grant Baldwin, who's the founder and CEO of The Speaker Lab. Grant, thanks for joining us today. John, thanks for
1: letting me hang out with you, man. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, you got it. So this is one of my favorite topics because obviously you and I do a lot of public speaking, things mm-hmm. that really scare the living daylights out of most people uh, that are listening. And it really does talk about leading yourself, right? It takes a lot of self-leadership to do that. Tell me about that. I mean, from from your own perspective, how you kind of overcame if you had those fears, and in particular, how do you help other people do that, do something that they never thought they'd be able to do before?
1: Yeah, you're, you're exactly right that uh, speaking in public speaking in, in front of a, a couple of people or hundreds of people or thousands of people is just a massive, massive fear and, and point of anxiety for a lot of people. And I think there's also kind of a misconception that oftentimes you see people on stage who are professional speakers and you assume, ah, oh, they're just a natural, they're very charismatic, they don't get nervous. And that's oftentimes not the case. I think a lot of times uh, speakers, even the best speakers on the planet, still get nervous, still have that, that those butterflies. And I think what's oftentimes important to distinguish is the difference between uh, nerves and, and anxiety, but also just kind of like the, the excitement and energy, you know, it's kind of like if you're, uh, I know in, in, in my life, I'm married to my high school sweetheart. we got three daughters. We love, uh, everybody in our family, except for my wife, my, myself and my daughters, we love doing roller coasters. And you know, when you're standing in line to do a roller coaster, like you start to feel some of those butterflies, we're getting closer to the front of the line yeah. We're we're in, we're strapped in or pulling the harness down or whatever it is. And there's just kind of the, it's not this nervousness, like, Oh my gosh, we're going to die. But it's just like this adrenaline and excitement. And you, you think about like some of those most important, the most pivotal moments in someone's life. I think about like whenever I proposed to my wife or when my daughters were born, or if you had a, a big um, uh, job interview or, or some type of like big moment that oftentimes you feel some of those same feelings. And again, it's not that feeling of like, I'm going to die. This is going to be a disaster, but it's just like this, this body's heightened awareness of going like, Hey, Hey, this is important, like big deal, like lock in right now. And I think that's oftentimes can be confused, or just you know, oh, I'm I'm a horrible speaker because I feel this. No, no, it's just like it's your body's reaction of saying, hey, this is this is important. Rise to the the occasion. And so, what do we do in those type of situations? Because again, it's not a bad thing; it's a very natural, normal thing. But what do we do? How do we minimize that? How do we make sure that's not debilitating in terms of, of giving a speech or presentation? And one of the best things that you can do, and this is the thing that every every like expert presenter, professional speaker, professional co- uh, comedian, performer, entertainer does is they spend a lot of time practicing and preparing. I think oftentimes we assume that the best speakers in the world, they just scribble a couple of ideas on a napkin, they hop up and it all just magically comes together. And it just does not work like that. Mm-hmm. They have spent hours and hours and hours behind the scenes, practicing, rehearsing, thinking over every transition, every word they're going to use, all the sentence structure, every single thing. So that by the time they get up on stage, it looks effortless. It looks natural. It looks like they're just making it up on the fly, but that's because they put in so much work. The other thing is when you've put in that kind of work behind the scenes, it just gives you a level of confidence whenever you get up on stage. So for example, if you think back to whenever we were in you know high school, middle school, college, uh, university, and you remember, like, if you had a test to take, you, you had a choice. Like, you could you could just kind of like show up and wing it, and you know the 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 professor or teacher passes out the test, and you're just like you feel this like nerves and anxiety because you haven't prepared, you haven't studied yet, you're not ready for it. Right. Versus if you've like I've really done the work and I've done the study questions and I've gone over my notes and I've d- I've gone over the guides and I've done all the work, so when you show up, there's a different level of confidence, right? Mm-hmm. You may still feel again some of the butterflies and nerves, but at least know like I've done the work necessary to show up and deliver. And the right. same thing is true with speaking. So a speaker who's just like, "Ah, I'm just going to, you know, throw together a couple of thoughts, or I just like to make it up on the fly. Like that's lazy. That's, that's a, that's a, not a good speaker at all versus the someone who just says, I'm going to really think through every part of this. I'm going to practice it. I'm going to go over it time and time and time again. So whenever I get up on stage, again, it may still feel some of those butterflies and nerves, but I also feel a lot more comfortable and confident that, that I got this.
0: Yeah. I love it. I hear, I heard, I heard you say a couple of things in particular that really stick out. One is, is the preparation. It is so key. And I find that too. I mean, it's, it's amazing that how it affects your confidence and and I do the same thing. I mean, I prepare everything I'm going to say every story. I rehearse yeah. that I go through it and I know I can tell a certain story significantly better if I've had some more practice um, and the points that I'm trying to make. So I, I definitely see that difference. The other thing I heard you say, though, uh, which I think is very interesting, too, is that whole difference between the there's kind of that positive nervous energy and the the one that's kind of debilitating and uh, and almost uh, freezes you and prevents you from doing it the best you can. Is there a way that you can kind of channel, you know, if you feel either I guess my question is, is there a way to recognize the difference between those? And if you feel yourself going down a bad kind of direction with that, how you reroute it? And have it become more of that positive, you know, con- contributing energy.
1: Yeah, I think there's kind of, you know, to some degree, there's probably some level of, of fight or flight uh, type of reaction that happens in those moments. And I've I found for myself that, you know, when people ask, do you still get nervous before you speak? Yeah, absolutely. You know, but again, I, I think that um, I think that the the bigger the stakes of the event, you know, the, the more likely you're going to feel that it. it's kind of like, you know, if you if you play in the NFL, if you're playing a, a preseason game uh, or or a, a practice running drills versus, you know, uh, being in the Super Bowl, it's probably just you're, you're doing the same thing, but it's just a different level level of heightened awareness. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, you absolutely want to make sure that you figure out the things that that work well for you to make sure that you're in the best possible state to be prepared. So for some people that may mean, um, you know, just sitting in the back quietly and maybe having headphones on, maybe listening to music. You know, I've seen speakers who like to jump up and down. They've got all this energy kind of, and they got to like, I got to release some of this here. So it doesn't completely come out as a mess on stage. So I like to do some jumping jacks or some push ups and just burn a little bit of fuel there. Uh, one thing for me personally is i like to just go through the talk on my head. Like you know, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll have kind of a, Um, uh, a note card that won't have a ton of detailed notes, but maybe it's like, 10 words that 10 words that would mean nothing to anybody else, but they're just like some mental cues for myself. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to tell this story and then I'm going to transition to this. And then I got to hit this point and I'm going to here. And so I just kind of like look through that. And that's kind of my mental checklist of what I'm going through, uh, in terms of that presentation or in terms of that talk. So for me, that just helps me again, one more thing before I hop on stage and I know, okay, this is the order, this is the sequence. Uh, and that helps me to feel more comfortable and confident whenever I get up on stage. That's great. I love that that and you're right everybody's
0: got to find what works for them you know for me i need to know i need to have fun when i'm going on stage i need to be looking Mm -hmm. forward to the presentation a lot of times i can't sleep the night before a keynote not because of nervous uh nervousness but because of the excitement but it's still you know i do i i also get nervous beforehand but it's a good positive energy but one of the things that i found is when you connect so for the for for example, one of the first big presentations I did in front of a few thousand people, I got nervous, a certain type of feeling beforehand, which was nervousness and a little bit of anxiety. But then performed really well and felt great about that. From so from that point, it was easy to connect almost that negative feeling of nervousness with the positive right. outcome. So it then became almost this trigger of okay, hey. Great. I feel I feel that energy, that nervousness coming on. I know that's going to mean I'm going to deliver a great you know presentation. So you kind of connect the bad thing with a good good outcome almost,
1: yeah, and one way to think about this is again, kind of um you uh, let's go back to the, the professional football player, an NFL player, for example, you know they, they probably feel a lot of the nerves, the butterflies before the game starts, but I hear oftentimes that you know once that first snap happens and the first play happens, then it's like, okay, now, now we're into a rhythm. you know it's kind of like riding a bike, you know you kind of the the muscle memory takes over that. And so I know for me, whenever I step out on stage, you know you can tell if you're if i'm doing a, a 60 minute keynote i can tell a lot about how the whole thing's going to go within that first 30 seconds meaning like if i tell a joke and it, it gets a great response i'm like okay we're off to the races here if they laughed at this they're going to love that thing that's coming down the road or uh you know if i tell something and like that falls completely flat like oh boy i'm already kind of making some mental adjustments like that thing that i normally would stretch and go a little bit deeper on them for the sake of humor uh is probably not going to get a laugh so i'm probably not going to use that so i'm going to mentally cut that so you're you're, yeah. you're already making making some assumptions about how it's going to go, but yeah. you, you don't necessarily know until you actually get up on stage because every audience is different. Every environment is different. Every setting is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you're, that's when that muscle memory starts to kind of kick in and you, again, not to, not in like a lazy, apathetic way of going on autopilot, but it's just kind of the, the switch of going, okay, I've done this before. I've been here before. I've di- delivered this presentation. I, I have, again, that level of confidence that I'm, I'm good at this. I know what to do now, uh, but you don't quite know until you get up on stage in terms of, of how it's going to be received. yeah it's
0: interesting and that's such a great point because you're right those first few moments you can almost feel the a certain energy or responsiveness or even the facial expressions of people Mm -hmm. and the energy in the room and that can help you but it also can work against you if you do fall flat uh or feel in your mind like you are not hitting your a game or getting the response you're looking for it can really start producing that downward spiral um one of the things that works for me, and I'm interested in your thoughts, is is just almost setting in your mind, in my mind, I have, a, 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 I have something that if I feel like I'm starting to get negative thoughts in my head, I have a way to kind of hit the pause button, and it's just... I might throw out a question to the audience, it doesn't even matter how big it is, you know, mm-hmm. Hey, you know, how many people in here are, you know, X, Y, Z. And all it does is give me a chance to reset mentally. It's sure. not even about the question. It's about the pause that I've now put in there and the ability for me to take the focus off me for a second. So I think a lot of people, you know, I talked to a comedian that I asked him the question at very successful comedian. I said. What happens when you do you get that? You know, when you get out there and yep. your, your first joke just lands flat or, you know, right. the audience is really not into you or feel that. I mean, that's got it. And he said, you know what? It used to really bother me. He said, but what I realized is I know I'm funny. I mean, yeah, I've yeah. had you know enough audiences, enough positive feedback. I know I'm funny. So if they're not laughing, that's their problem. It's not mine. I thought it was really funny, but it's true. Like as a presenter, as a, as a keynote, you've got to know. You're there for a reason. I mean, you're being asked to speak and paid to speak. Uh for a reason. And that's because you've you are who you are, you've done what you've done. You've you know, so it's all about the mindset, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And here's a I'll give you a couple of filters that I kind of run through after a presentation. Let's say I get off stage and it it just didn't go as well. It wasn't a disaster, I wasn't a complete train wreck, but it's like, ah, I know I've done better. So there's there's three different criteria I kind of run through in my mind. One is me that was I on, was I prepared? Was I ready? Did I give my best? So I feel super comfortable and confident in that. So that's a big factor. That's something that I can control that I can do something about. Maybe you know, I didn't sleep well that night. Maybe I wasn't feeling great. Maybe I just got some bad news. You know, I just got off the phone with, with my wife and we were at a little fight or something or, you know, anything that's just going to rattle me on stage, you know, was there something that happened? So that's a factor. Another factor is going to be the audience, meaning like Let's say right before, let's say I was speaking to a group of um, uh, sales reps and right before I get up, you know, the VP of sales comes up and says, hey, you know, we've missed quota for the past couple of quarters and we're actually going to have to lay off 20% of you uh, at the end of the week. All right, now let's bring up our speaker, Grant Baldwin. Well, it doesn't matter like what I say, like right. nobody's going to be listening to me, right? You're you're walking into a setting and to an audience that's just like, man, we we have, we don't care at all what you have to say. So the audience is certainly going to be a factor. Yeah. Another factor is just going to be the environment. I'll give you an example. I remember a couple of years ago I was speaking at a conference in New Jersey, and uh, I did a keynote in the, in a room that was set for about two thousand people. And the room set two thousand people. They had about two thousand people in there, and it worked beautifully, right? Well, they were going to have me do a workshop right after this, and so. They have all 2,000 people leave, and then they have me do this breakout, this small workshop with about 50 people in the room that seats 2,000. When you put 2,000 people in a room that seats 2,000, it's awesome. You put 50 people in a room that seats 2,000, it's a disaster, right? So even though same room, uh similar audience members but completely different size completely different setting there it's just a totally different feel so the environment makes a big uh, is a big factor as well you know you you actually you want a room that is too small you know i remember speaking at something a a couple years ago and I got there, I was kind of doing a sound check and the event planner came up to me. They had just chairs, um, just all the way around the walls. And they're kind of apologetic. And they're like, Hey, you know, this room only seats something like a a thousand, but we think we may have 1100. And I'm really sorry. I was like, no, no, that's awesome. That's exactly what you want. You want it to feel crowded because energy is contagious versus if you come to a room that seats a thousand and there's a hundred people in there, it just feels dead. It feels empty. So again, there's some factors that you can control some factors that are outside of your control, but you, you you want to kind of like chalk it up to your in your own mind of like, what can I do better? What are the things that I can control that I can do something about that make sure I'm better next time I give a presentation?
0: Yeah, that's such a great, great point. You know, I mean, I I do recall that certain situations. I remember doing one in a, in an airplane hangar that was mm-hmm. enormous, and it was a it just eat you alive. Yeah, I, the, everything's echoing, and they're doing work in the background. I mean, it was just the setting was not conducive. Um, right. We know, you know, you walk into a. A, a bar and it's, you know, dead. Yep. You don't think it's a lively place versus a smaller one that's, you know, more crowded is just got a cool energy or, or restaurant or whatnot. Uh, I love that. So now, as far as that, you know, somebody looking to get into this, let's say they have let's say so there's a lot of people that are listening. They're saying, you know what? I've got a really great message. I've got yep. a really cool story. There's something unique about me. They want to get in this business how do they do it? What's like the process? What's the first step or how did you go about doing it?
1: Yeah, I'll give you a high level overview, and then we can dig in wherever you want if you like. Within our company, the Speaker Lab, we teach what we call the Speaker Success Roadmap. So it's a five step process that makes the acronym SPEAK. So the S is select a problem to solve. First of all, you have to get really, really clear about who you speak to and what problem you solve. The problem is, is that most speakers think that we need to go as broad and wide as possible. So who do you speak to? Well, I, I speak to humans. My message is for everybody, right? Well, that's not the case, right? And what do you speak about? Well, what do you want me to speak about? I can speak about anything. Like that's not what people are looking for. So you got to be, again, counterintuitive, but you got to be narrow and specific on who you speak to and what problem you solve. You get that part correct and you get that part clear, then everything else becomes a lot simpler because you know what the target is that you're aiming for. The next part of the process is P, prepare your talk. So once you're clear on this is who I speak to, this is the problem that I solve, what's the solution and how are you going to provide that solution? So we've kind of been talking about keynotes, but that could come in the form of breakouts and workshops and seminars and uh, trainings. And like there's a lot of different coaching, consulting, a lot of different things that you could do there in terms of how you provide that solution. The E is establish yourself as the expert. Two key marketing tools every speaker needs. You got to have a website. If you don't have a website, you don't exist. People won't take you seriously. And number two is you got to have a demo video. Now, demo video is basically, think of it like a movie trailer. Movie trailer, they take 90-minute movie. They boil it down to two or three minutes. Within those two or three minutes, you have an idea of who's in it, what's the plot, what's the theme. And the point of a demo video and the point of a movie trailer is to make you want to see more. So you got to... It's really important to have that. Uh, the next part of the process A is acquire paid speaking gigs. So this is where the mistake is that, that a lot of speakers were like, man, I just, I just want to do gigs. And so I just kind of like sit back and I wait for the phone to ring. I wait for things to magically fall in my lap. That's a very reactive way that does not work. Going to be proactive in building this business. And then the last part of the process K is know when to scale, meaning a lot of people who are interested in speaking are also interested in coaching, consulting, writing a book, podcasting, doing a course. And so you can do all the things, but you can do all the things at once. So something's going to come first. Something's going to come last. There are speakers I know that do a hundred gigs a year and nothing else. And speakers that do five gigs a year and a bunch of other things. And they both work. So that's, it's not necessarily one's better or worse than the other. You just got to determine and decide for yourself where does speaking fit into what it is that you're trying to accomplish. So again, that's kind of the big picture framework that we walk through with speakers. And again, at all different levels and stages, it's helping them get really, really, really clear about who they speak to, what problem that they solve. Uh, And oftentimes we find it difficult to, to read that the label from inside the jar. We're so close to it. We're going like, I think I could speak about this, but is there a market for that? And I think, is this relevant or would people be interested in this? Do people book speakers for that? So we help them get clear on that and then kind of organize some of the, the marketing efforts there to create again, more of a system in place the book gigs rather than just sitting back and waiting for someone to to magically find them.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's great. Well, it sounds uh, I love the process. I love the acronym that makes a ton of sense. And uh, you need a coach, you need somebody to help you, especially if it's a if it's a whole new kind of chapter of your life. Um, And the speaking business is phenomenal. And it's a lot of fun and can be very profitable, too. But getting a coach makes makes a ton of sense. So if people want to learn more about you or the speaker lab, where should they go?
1: Yeah, uh, if people are listening to this podcast, you probably listen to other podcasts. So uh, we have a, a podcast called The Speaker Lab Podcast. Uh, we've got nearly 400 episodes there. So definitely check out if you're interested at all in speaking. And also everything we do is over at thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We've got a, a book called The Successful Speaker. So that speak framework, that S-P-E-A-K, we just walked through, it goes into that way more in depth. And so the again, the book is called The Successful Speaker. So yeah, lots of resources. If there's anything we can do to help you, support you, uh, build and grow your speaking business and share your message, with the world, and please don't hesitate to reach out. Let me know.
0: Excellent. Well, we've been here with Grant Baldwin, founder and CEO of Speaker Lab. Uh, Grant, I love your words of wisdom, your insight. It's been a pleasure talking with you. I appreciate you joining us today.
1: Thanks, John. It was a lot of fun, man.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And thank you all for joining today. As always, I appreciate you liking, sharing, subscribing, and uh, always appreciate your suggestions for future guests and content. And of course, go down below, give a five-star review, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader. For suggestions or inquiries about having me at your next event or personal coaching, reach me at john at